You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Uh, if this is your first time with us or first time in a while, uh, I want to uh, especially welcome you again and then also say to you uh, that you've caught us right at the very end of our uh, next mini-series that we've been in through the book of Acts. We've been taking the big book of Acts and breaking it down into these mini-series, and we conclude Paul's second missionary journey today with Acts 18, verses 1 through 23. And in this message, I've entitled it, Stay on Mission. You know, we're coming off the tail end of last week uh, where Paul was in Athens and uh, he was there and proclaiming the gospel. And we really focused on the idea of, of learning from the lessons in ministry. And when, when we say that word mission, stay on mission, the, the mission that we have been called to as followers of Jesus Christ, especially here at Holmes Avenue, is that you, you, you've heard us say it, we, we're seeking to glorify the Lord by the way in which we're living our lives to fulfill the great commission in this generation by loving God and loving people. And we really want to make that be the heartbeat of each and every one of us, that, that be our desire in what God would do with us individually and corporately and, and when I'm thinking about that term, mission, uh, I know that I may not necessarily look like it, but over the last little bit, I've been training for some 5Ks, right? Back in September, I ran a 5K. It's a three-mile run uh, back uh, for the 9-11 Heroes Run. And the training that led up to that was about eight weeks worth of uh, a training via an app that I used and uh, some days of running and walking, and it would build up your endurance to where you're finally running uh, at a normal uh, rhythm every single bit of the run. And I, w- I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this message and this mission that God has placed Paul on, and he's placed all of us on, right? I, when we're set out on the mission and we're following it, we've got to condition ourselves, right? W- when I'm in the process of, of conditioning or anybody's conditioning for a, a run or an athletic event or any anything like that. It it takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. And while you're on that journey of trying to accomplish the, the mission, the goal that you have in front of you, there are days where you get weary. There are days when you're tired. There are days when you want to throw in the towel. And yet you have people that God has blessed you with in your life that are encouraging you, that are pushing you on saying, Hey, you can do this. Keep, keep going, keep going, keep striving. And I just thought about that in the context and asked you the question, have you ever had something like that in your life? You might say, well, I've never trained for a 5K. Okay, well, maybe you've had a goal that you've been striving after, and have you, as you're striving towards that goal, there have been bumps in the road. There have been times where it's been difficult, times where it's been hard, but you've had those people in your life that have come alongside of you and that have encouraged you, that have pushed you forward. You see, for the Apostle Paul, he's been through a lot of different stuff through his journeys, Right? He's been through a lot. And what we see even today, when we get to it in the passage, we see how the Lord comes to Paul and reminds him that he is with him and reminds him, hey, you can do this because I am with you. I've called you to this. Keep going. And so that's why the message today is entitled Stay on Mission, because even in our mission of seeking to fulfill the Great Commission and and honoring God with our lives and, and seeing people far from God but close to us come to faith, there are days where it's like, man, this, is, this isn't going anywhere. There are days where it's like, man, I, I can't do this. But I want to encourage us, and hopefully this passage will encourage today, stay on mission. Stay focused, because God is with us. And God is doing a good work in and through us. 
Today we're going to conclude the second mission journey, as I said, and Paul's making his stop here in Corinth. And he's been through a lot, as I said, on this journey, and we're going to see how he's been weary and being reminded of, of God's faithfulness through this. This is a little bit more of a lengthier passage, so we'll stay seated and we'll get to it as we come about. But before we do so, I want to pray. So if you would, please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good. And Lord, we pray now, Father, as I think about the time where it is right now in our gathering, it's probably around about the same time at Summit, and whether it's John or Nick that is proclaiming the word today, Lord, I pray that you'd speak boldly through them at Summit Church. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me now as we conclude the second missionary journey of Paul. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the example that you have given to us in your holy, inerrant, divinely inspired word. Lord, teach us now. Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you and have your way, God. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So as followers of Christ on mission, we should stay on mission through our daily living when we face difficulties in life as we follow the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are. You'll see the points up there on the screen. The first point is this, stay on mission through daily living. Stay on mission through daily living. Look at verse 1 of chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Luke indicates to us that Paul has now left, Ad, left Athens and he has gone about 46 miles west to Corinth. Now, to give you an idea, as we've been going through this, you, you've heard us talk about Athens. You've heard us talk about Corinth. Even in the passage today, Ephesus is mentioned. And I just want to point out something that I thought was very interesting for us, maybe to take these, these words that we're seeing in the scriptures and maybe apply them to modern day places. So Timothy Keller, he's a Bible scholar, he's a pastor from New York, he, he writes of this and he indicates, he says, Athens, Corinth, and Ephesus are like modern day Boston, New York, and Los Angeles. Boston would be Athens, a place full of intellectuals and thinking. You can remember that from what we read about and studied Athens last week. New York would be more of like Corinth, commercialized and overpopulated and everything that's going on there. Los Angeles would be like the Ephesus, the, the center for pop culture and what is happening there. So it just kind of gives you an idea. You, you're hearing these places, but it kind of give you a, an idea of size and, and, and culture and whatnot of what's happening in our modern day context. Corinth was a Roman colony and it was still very young. No building that, that was around at that time was more than 100 years old when Paul shows up. And so it's still a very young place and it was flourishing. It was this epicenter of political power, commerce, and even sexual immorality. In fact, we know from Paul's letters to the church at Corinth, sexual immorality was a, a pretty hot topic issue that Paul addresses in those letters. It's important for us to note that despite the immorality that was around, though, God was still at work. And we're seeing this passage today how God is at work through Paul. But even when Paul gets there, there is a well-established synagogue where people are gathered to worship, where the Jews have gone to gather. Now, I told you a moment ago that Paul's journey, it's been tedious. It's been hard. There were times when Paul was weary. We'll see that even today. But let's remember Paul's journey. He's labored greatly through this second missionary journey. And like any other human being, he faced exhaustion. He faced weariness. And so I thought this was very interesting in my studying time. 
Between the years 8049 to about 8052, Paul traveled some 2,000 miles by foot and about another 1,000 miles via boat. Tony Maria, a Bible scholar, he tells us at his age, which is around 50 or so for Paul at this point, he walked the distance between what would be estimated Raleigh, North Carolina, and Denver, Colorado. Walked that distance throughout his journey. That's devotion, right? That's devotion to the mission. Like, Paul had this goal in mind. God has redeemed me and saved my life. I was once killing followers of Jesus. My life has radically been transformed, and I've been given this mission to follow through on and to go because he's called me to go. And despite the hardships that he'd face, despite the fact that he'd have to walk some 2,000 miles, ride by boat some 1,000 miles, it was what God wanted him to do, and he was devoted to stay on the mission. Look at verses two through three. And he found a Jew named Aquilia, a a native of Pontus, recently uh, come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. So it doesn't take long for us to see this mention of Paul and a, a friend or two of his here, and he meets Aquilia and Priscilla. And we know from Luke that, that Claudius has exiled the Jews from Rome at this time, and he's brought them here. Now, Paul sees that they are of the same trade. Look at verse 3. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. See, Luke is telling for us, Luke is the writer of Acts. Luke is telling us that Paul was a tent maker by trade, just like these people. See, this is the way in which Paul made his income. This is the way in which he provided for himself was by making tents. Now, these tents, they were like these leather-type goods that were used for the purpose. But Paul is using this and doing this for this fact that he was, in a sense, you can think of it this way, like most of our, our leadership team here, we're bivocational, right? He's doing the ministry, but he's also called to do vocational work. His, his workplace is, if you will, is by doing these tents. He's a tent maker, It gives us this notion that Paul has to work, but he also has to focus on the mission at hand. And we're going to see how he does those two together. Verse 4 tells us, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. See, Paul's focus of, uh, that he was uh, determined to do was to proclaim the gospel on the Sabbath to Jews and Greeks. Now, the Sabbath is that one day of the week. So what is Paul doing throughout the rest of the week? During the majority of his time, he is doing his tent making. He's working. Now, we can't just assume that Paul just said, okay, well, there's only one day a week that I'm going to do mission work. No. Knowing Paul, knowing how focused he was on the mission, he's doing it in his daily life as well. When times weren't needed for him to be tent making and such throughout his day, Paul was always focused on the mission. See, he was focused on his living, yet he also focused on the word of God being shared. And we've seen time to time how Paul was always ready and willing and able to share the gospel whenever those opportunities presented themselves. So much like last week, I want to ask you a question as we're journeying through this. Do we do the same? Follower of Christ in the room or listening online, do we do the same? As we go about in our daily lives, in the workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, 
as we go about enjoying life around our friends? Are we having the same mindset to be focused on the mission? See, all of us that are working people, we, we work, right? Those of us that are retired, you have worked before retiring. In our workplace, we have to be focused on the mission. Doesn't mean that you have every single opportunity, every single day to proclaim the gospel in your workplace, but you stay focused and ask God for the opportunities. In our daily lives, we have to keep the forefront thing, the forefront thing, and that being, Lord, what is it that you want for me to do? And that's be on mission for his glory. Are we devoted to the work that God has called us to vocationally and as Christ followers? See, because when Jesus went to ascend into heaven and he gives the great commission, he doesn't say go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you when you have time. He says to do it as we go. So we must stay on mission in our daily lives. Secondly, stay on mission through difficulties. Stay on mission through difficulties. Verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews and uh, to, to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Paul would spend some 18 months in Corinth. This was a little bit different for Paul because Paul wasn't one that would usually spend that long of a period of time. He would be there, get things started for a church, engage in the synagogues, go to the next location. But here he spends some 18 months doing the work that God had called him to do there. Now we see in this verse that Silas and Timothy, they've arrived from Macedonia. And it says that Paul was occupied preaching to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Now that word occupied there, that word occupied, it means that he was engrossed or devoted to it. Therefore, you could almost say that he almost transitioned to more full-time work in doing this. He was able to be engaging and spreading and teaching the gospel more and more and more. It's interesting to note, too, that when Silas and Timothy are arriving, they get the opportunity to report to Paul the steadfastness of the tired Thessalonians. We know that from Thessalonians 1, 3, that we we see that they have... Paul encourages them in that letter, telling them, hey, I've heard of what you've done. I've heard of what you've been through from Silas and Timothy. They've told me this good news. We even also know, and let me just interject something here to you. When we're talking about this in Acts 18, a lot of the things that we're reading about here, Paul writes about to the church at Corinth in his letter to Corinth. Paul writes about in Thessalonians. Paul writes about in Philippians. Matter of fact, in his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul writes to them and tells them that he was blessed by the financial means while in Thessalonica, so it could be very well that he was able to live off of the blessings that he had been given. 2 Corinthians 11.9 tells us, when Paul's writing to the church at Corinth in his second letter, when I was with you, this is talking about while he's in Corinth, while I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, talking about Silas and Timothy, supplied my need. So I refrained and I will refrain from burdening you in any way. Paul is able to have the means and the support that he's been given to be able to do the mission, to be able to stay focused on it. 
They're like, well, Brian, you said this point is about difficulties. The difficulties are coming. But I want to point out something else that is important for us to note about this. Silas and Timothy are coming back from Macedonia to Paul. They're coming back to report good news. They're coming back to report what God has been doing there. Everything that Paul is writing about in the ways in which, hey, I didn't have to burden you Corinthians with things because these brothers came with this news for me. I had people that supplied for my need. We see here the necessity of the body of Christ being able to support the mission together. We see the necessity of the body of Christ coming together to support the mission together. You see, the body is coming together to help contribute to the means of the things that Paul needed, and they're coming together to accomplish the mission. You know, I think about what we do every Sunday when we gather, and you may think, well, like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we pray for somebody. That's not just to pray. That's to help you understand that we can't do this mission alone. We can't accomplish the mission alone. Each of us as members of the body have different gifts that God has given to us here at Holmes Avenue to come together as the body to do the work that God has called us to. We talked about that yesterday in Brotherhood with the discipline of ministry, right? The different parts of the body come together for the work of ministry to be able to do it together. Paul writes of that. But also the same is true for us in the sense that Our little church can't do it all alone. We need our brothers and sisters in our other congregations to do it together. This is the body of Christ, the big C church, partnering together for the sake of the mission. The body coming together. For some, it was financial support, whereas others, it was physical. And I just want to interject here. If if you're hearing this and you're thinking this, you're like, well, There's not much that I can do physically. There's still much that you can do. There's still much that you can do. You might not be able to physically get out there on the ground with us and do the work of the mission stuff here in that regard, but you can surely pray to God on our behalf. You can surely disciple younger believers. You can surely still have conversations with people that are far from God but close to you. Don't ever discount where you're at physically for the sake to say, I can't do this work. Every bit of us are members of the body and every bit of us can come together to accomplish the mission together. The same is true as we say forgiving. Giving of your time, but also giving monetarily. Yeah, giving generously. And this isn't a tithing message. We know that the Lord blesses a cheerful giver. And I just want to point out again, we we referenced twice now already. Every bit of what we give, it goes to this community. It goes to the state. It goes to our mission partners. It it accomplishes Acts 1-8. As Jesus tells us in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 6. And when, the, and when they opposed and reviled him, here comes the difficulties, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. You see, this opposition begins to uh, arise against Paul, and it's, this tense scene plays out for us, much like it happened to him in Antioch. Paul was opposed 
by the Jews who reviled because he proclaimed the gospel of the risen Jesus Christ. Paul demonstrated a physical example of protesting against the Jews by shaking off his garments. Here in verse 6, it records Paul stating, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. Now I'm going to the Gentiles. This is Paul quoting of Ezekiel's prophecy of those who would not repent, bringing judgment on their own heads. This again is Paul quoting from Scripture. Scripture showing against, with, partnering together with Scriptures to proclaim the good news. Paul's referencing it. It's all God's word. What do we learn from this issue? Paul was obedient to proclaim the gospel message to Jews, to Gentiles, but the Jews didn't want to hear it, so he shifts his focus to the ones who he can prayerfully reach. And he goes forth. Verse 7 tells us, and he left there and went to the house of a man named Tadius Justice, a worshiper of God, his house was next door to the synagogue. So he hops right on over next door. He knows that this man is a worshiper of God and he opens his home to him and other believers, thus making this almost as if it's one of the first house churches, if you will. This is an opportunity for them to gather. They don't want to hear it in the synagogue. You can have it here. Proclaim the gospel here, Paul. So verse eight tells us, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with the entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. We see here that despite being reviled, the gospel's power is still too much for opposition. Crispus, this guy who ruled the synagogue, he was the leader of the synagogue. This guy is a Jew. He hears the gospel. His life is changed. He and his household. We know from Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 1 that he's actually the one that baptized this man. Paul baptized him. More Corinthian Gentiles, they're hearing the gospel. They trust in Jesus. They are baptized. We have got to understand that this was a transformative thing that happened that day. The Jewish leader of the synagogue, he heard the gospel and compared to what he knew of the Old Testament scriptures of the Messiah, he realized, wait a second, what this man is proclaiming is truth. I want it. And his life is changed. Make no mistake about this, church family. This can and does still happen because the gospel is the good news for any who would repent and believe. We know it's true that it's still happening today because if you walk outside of that door right there and you walk on that handicap ramp, you see lives that have physically been transformed. You see them. There's an expression of a picture on a wall that says, but God, and we see people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel and were baptized. The power of God is still working through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must stay on mission despite difficulties we may face. Verses 9 and 10, they read, The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. We see this great thing happen here. God comes to him in a vision, and he tells him, Do not be discouraged. Don't fear, Paul. I'm with you. 
I'm with you. I've called you to this work. Stay the course. We know from 1 Corinthians 2.3, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Paul was weak. Paul was scared. He had a mission set before him. He knew the way in which God was calling him. He had the goal ahead. And although weary, although sad, although tired, God encouraged him. God kept him going. God does the same for us, church. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and your life has been radically transformed by the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. The same power that resurrected Jesus is in you. It's in me. He's our guide. As we read the scriptures, it's just not just some random book that doesn't have transformative power. God's word transforms us through the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. He's with us. Stay the course. Stay on mission. The fact that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, the guy that we see writes the majority of the New Testament, we hold him in this high regard. The fact alone that he struggled, that he was tired, that he was weak. It gives me great encouragement. Because it tells me that even this man, who God used greatly to do great things, he still struggled. Days were still hard for him. That gives me great encouragement. It should give you great encouragement. Because although we struggle, although we have the hard days, God is still good. He's still faithful, and he's still pushing us forward. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He says that he is with him. He gives him encouragement. That encourages me and encourages you to trust God and stay the course. Look at verse 11. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. He did as the Lord said, and he stays some 18 months serving the Lord. Paul was obedient. We too, brothers and sisters, must be obedient. Look at verses 12 and 13. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man has persuaded people to worship God contrary to the law. So they begin this united attack, attack against Paul. You see, the words that God had just given Paul in that vision, he's understanding them even more right this moment. As these things are about to come up against him, it was God encouraging him, giving him a forewarning. Things are coming, but I'm with you. 14 and 15 tell us, but when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge over these things. Paul's about to defend himself. And yet Gallio says, whoa, 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 whoa. This thing got nothing to do with me. Handle it amongst yourselves. So verse 16 tells us he drove them from the tribunal. They leave. And then 17 they all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. 
And we aren't 100% sure why Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, was beat. But the biggest takeaway from this that we have to remember is that God keeps his promises. He kept his promise to Paul. He comes to him in the vision. You're facing difficulty. Don't fear. I'm with you. Stay the course. Stay on mission. Lastly, number three, stay on mission following the Holy Spirit's guiding. Stay on mission following the Holy Spirit's guiding. Verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila at, excuse me, Centre. He had cut his hair for he was under a vow. So Paul's now setting sail for the end of his second missionary journey back to where it all began, going back to Antioch. And we do see here that Paul cuts his hair and this is due to the Nazarite vow that he was under and that's, that's from Numbers chapter 6-2. But this is, could have been for many reasons. You might say, well, why does he cut his hair? See, some believe that he may have planned to stop up in Jerusalem on his way home and some believe that it may have been out of his way of gratitude to God for what he had done by taking care of him. But this isn't just Paul just getting up and peacing out because he just felt like it was time to peace out. We know Paul well enough to know that under the Holy Spirit's prompting, he goes and he follows and he does what God has called him to do. Verse 19 tells us they came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So they get to Ephesus. They've shown up, they arrived, they finally made it there. And if you recall from back in Acts 16, when we were in 16, Paul was blocked by the Holy Spirit to do work there previously. It's only now that the Holy Spirit directs them here. And as we get through, after we get through Advent, we'll jump back into Acts and you'll see the work that God does in Ephesus. There's something very important to point out about that church. There may be times when as we're on the mission and we're going, we think that we're supposed to go this way, but the Holy Spirit says no. Lo and behold, because he has a plan for that later. Paul was blocked. Holy Spirit said, no, not now. But now they're able to go to Ephesus. He leaves his squad there and they goes into the synagogue and he begins to reason with the Jews. And I, I, it just blows me away. Paul, again, he's constantly devoted to the mission. Constantly. He doesn't just land there in Ephesus and say, all right, now it's time to just chill out and I'm gonna hang out with you guys. Let's go get something to eat. No, he gets there, he leaves them there and he says, I'll be back. He goes to the synagogue to proclaim the gospel and reason with the Jews. Incredible. Verses 20 through 21 say, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So they are being able to hear these things in the synagogue. They're like, wait a minute, we want you to stick around. We want to hear more, please stay here. And he's like, no, I can't right now. But then he says, if God wills, I'll come back to you. And we know from, as I said a minute ago, he's going to come back to Ephesus. Only if the Lord wills. Man, there's a lot of truth in that statement alone. Following the will of God. Verse 22 says, 
When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. See, Paul's first order of business while in Caesarea is to go up to greet the church. He wants to see them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to testify of what God has been doing. And then after that, he goes down to Antioch where this journey began. We'll end with verse 23 and and kind of penciling 23 is kind of an, another starting point for us when we get back into this book of Acts. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Pragya, strengthening all the disciples. Paul's doing all of this under the Holy Spirit's guidance. All under the Holy Spirit's guidance. We've seen much devotion from Paul through his journey so far. And we'll see it as we get to the tail end of Acts in the beginning of the year. But I'm left with a, a question that I just want us to wrestle with as we conclude this morning, as we go through our week this week. Are we devoted to the mission that God has called us to? Are we? I asked you last week, I'm gonna ask you this again this week. Are you devoted to the mission? Each and every one of us have been called by God as a faith member of this congregation to partner together on mission for God, together as a whole, but then also in our individual lives. If we're going to see this great commission fulfilled as we have that as our vision, it's going to take all of the members of the body, just as I said a few moments ago. It's going to take partnership in ministry. It's going to take all of us loving the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, each of us. It's going to take us all loving the people that we're positioned around, that God has divinely placed us around, proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel. So are we devoted? The other question I'll ask is this. Are you weary? Are you weary? Are you in need of encouragement? If so, the Lord has you. He's with you. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you're weary and you're tired and you're struggling because you don't know the Lord. Maybe your life hasn't truly been transformed by the power of the gospel and you don't truly know Jesus for who he is, the man, the God-man, fully God, fully man, who went to the cross of Calvary to die for your sin and shame. And then three days later, miraculously resurrect from the grave. I don't know where you are. But I can help lead you to the one that can give you rest for your souls. When we sing our final song in just a moment, if you need prayer, please reach out to us. You can come up to me, go to Pastor Walter. Maybe you've got somebody close to you that's around you that you know is a follower of Jesus that can encourage you, whatever it is. Seek out that encouragement. Don't think that just praying for somebody is 
not going to be powerful. There's power in prayer. We want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to really encourage you to stay on mission. There's a lot of lost people around us that desperately need the good news of the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good. And Lord, I can't thank you enough, God, for your word and the truth of your word that shows us time and time again the beauty of how you use people that have been transformed by the power of the gospel to accomplish the mission that you set before them. Lord, it gives us encouragement. It gives us a way for us to see the saints that have gone before us, to learn from the good things they did, maybe the sins they committed, to see how you use them despite their weaknesses so that we, in turn, can be used despite our weaknesses. Father, in this room, those listening here, those that are listening online, I'd be foolish to think that there are not people that are weary. There aren't people that are tired. And much like you did for Paul, coming to him, encouraging him to not be afraid, Lord, do you want to do the same for those who may be feeling that? So, Lord, for those in here that need encouragement, I pray, God, that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ, God, that you would minister to their souls right now. Lord, for those that maybe do not have a relationship with you, Lord, may today be the day that either the seed was planted, watered, or maybe today is the day that you caused the growth. Or whatever it may be, Lord, we ask, God, that you would have your way. You alone are worthy. We ask this in the only name above all names, King Jesus. Amen.